0: In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com.
2: Welcome to the podcast. This is your co host, Seth Green. Today I have the good fortune to be interviewing Repeat guest dr ivan meisner the founder and chief visionary officer of bni the world's largest referral marketing organization dr meisner is back today to talk about his two new books who's in your room the secrets to creating your best life and the connector effect the proven way to grow your business right now dr meisner thanks for coming back
0: they said thank you so much and please call me ivan
2: all right well Thank you, Ivan. So who's in your room? Let's start there. A kind of really different way to think about your life. Um, Definitely a counterintuitive personal development book. What inspired you to write it?
0: Well, what inspired me was that one of my co-authors was talking about the concept with me um, a few years ago. And he talked about this idea that once people are in your life, they're they're kind of there forever. And that really resonated with me. But here's the concept of the book in order for people to understand. The, the, the idea with the book is that imagine you live your entire life in one room. And that one room has only one door. And that one door is an enter only door. So that when people come into your room or into your life, they're there forever. You can never get them out. Now, luckily, it's a metaphor. But um, Seth, if this were true, would you... And been more selective about the people that you've led into your life?
2: Yes. I'm reading the book inspired some intense conversations between myself and my wife. So yeah. absolutely.
0: I, I bet. And I'd like to come back to that because my wife and I have a my late wife and I had a concept relating to the book that I think you might find interesting. Uh, but here's the deal. I, I believe it's more than a metaphor. And here's why. What I want you to do, and if you're watching or listening to this. I want you to do the same thing. Seth, I want you to think of somebody that you got out of your life. Because people say to me, it is a metaphor. I can get people out of my life. So I want you to think of somebody that you got out of your life. Maybe they were toxic. Maybe they had a lot of drama. Whatever the reason, you just wanted them out of your life. Now, I'm not going to ask you who it is, so you don't have to share it. I have somebody in mind. You have somebody in mind. All right, good. If you're watching or listening, I want you to be thinking of somebody as well. And I want you to think for a moment about what it was, at least one thing that person did that just made your blood boil and you wanted them out of your life. You got something? Yes. All right, now here's the deal. If they're still in your head, they're still in your room and they will be there for the rest of your life. We interviewed Dr. Daniel Amen. And if you read the book, you saw the, the quote from him. He said, you know, when you have people in your life their fingerprints are all over your brain for the rest of your life. And so um, you can't get them out of your head. You know, you you may wall them off a bit, but th- they're still there and you'll make decisions based on, uh, in the future, you'll make decisions based on the good experiences and the bad experiences that you had with people. And so it's very important to uh, be selective about the kinds of people that you let into your life. And that's the concept of the book, uh, Who's in Your Room.
2: Now. It's an incredible concept, very enlightening and makes you think differently about the people that you willingly or unwittingly allow to influence you in your life. So what about you talk a little bit in the book? What about those people? How do we politely remove someone once we realize they shouldn't be there?
0: Yeah, well, you know, they're going to be in your room forever, but the question is, uh, you know, how do you deal with them and get them out of your life, even though they're in, I mean, you can understand the room begins on one temple of your head and ends on the other temple of your head, so they're going to always be in your head in some way, but um, there are things that you can do for people that are in your life and in your room. Let's take family members, which you can't really get out of your life to some extent. Now i'm going to share a story with you that's not in the book that we're going to put in the second edition of the book because i think it's brilliant they uh there's a family and they'd have these big family events everybody would come over and and the one woman said every time we have a we have a sister who at these events would would lob in a verbal grenade and it would just Get everyone incited. I mean, they'd just be so upset and it would ruin the events, the dinners that they had. So they had a family meeting and the bottom line is, and what made them think of this was they may be in your room, but their baggage has to stay out. Wow. That's, that's from the book. But what they decided to do is to say the next time she does this, let's all look at her and go, Oh, Okay, And then turn back. And whatever it is she said, ignore it. Wow. And move forward. And they did that. And of course, she was like, well, you know what happened? And after they did that two or three times over the events, um, she stopped doing it. And more importantly, she often didn't come because she wasn't inciting a riot. He
2: didn't get the reaction she was looking for.
0: He wasn't getting the reaction anymore. And so what a great way of dealing with people that you you can't get out. Now, a couple of other techniques are uh, benign neglect and homeopathic doses. And I talk about both of those in the book, where if you've got somebody that's in your room, benign neglect is a great technique to, you know, start to get them out of your life and um, homeopathic doses, meaning just just the minimum necessary to uh, communicate with them and nothing more.
2: So, an in, in incredible strategy. So, let's talk about another example of a type of person. Let's say there's a person in our lives who's, you know, who we would call a negative Nelly. Yeah. Right? It may not be a verbal grenade, but they're the type of person you don't want to ask how they're doing because they will tell right. you and it will be a very long negative sob story answer. Yeah. What do we do about that?
0: Yeah. Well, that's where, you know, benign neglect uh, and, and really comes in and homeopathic doses. So here's an example that's in the book and I think it's really powerful. Let's say you're um, gonna go into a community where that person is, maybe you, know, maybe you don't live close, really close to them. And before you, know, you post on Facebook, uh, hey, I'm coming into town tomorrow. Uh, what you wanna do is leave that off And then maybe the night before you're in the area, send an email, something maybe that they don't often look at and say, hey, I'm gonna be in town tomorrow. Uh, I have about a 30 minute window between two o'clock and 2.30 if you wanna catch a cup of coffee. And, And oftentimes the person won't even see the email in time especially if you send it late the night before. And then when they do, you've limited the amount of time that you're gonna actually have to spend with that person and you continue to reduce it over time until there is uh, really no more contact. And um, the person who shared that with me did that very thing to an individual and it worked brilliantly. Now- benign Benign neglect works when you're not trying. Think about college friends that you've had high school friends that you had, that they were good people, you liked them. But because you kind of slowed down in communication through through by accident, benign neglect worked, worked. Now imagine if you do it with a plan.
2: Yes, you could absolutely get the result, those types of results that you were looking for. Now we're mm-hmm. talking about it in our personal lives. What about in our business lives? What about you know lives- the difficult client that we can't seem to make happy?
0: Yeah, well, look, the difficult clients are uh, reasonably, all things considered, reasonably easy to deal with. Uh, you fire them. Uh, you know, I, I learned a long time ago that it's, it's okay to let go of clients that are um, impossibly difficult. And you end up spending a lot of time with those people. It's, it's worth your effort to spend that time on your good clients and not hang on to you know negative clients or clients that just are time sucks from your business they just suck all the time out of your business and and so yeah those are those are easier what's harder are peers in a work environment or a boss in a work environment and peers are easier obviously than the boss but with peers the best thing to do is to Uh, sidestep them and work with other people more than them whenever possible and I know it's not always possible but if you have to partner up on a project don't part don't volunteer to partner up with them find someone else to partner up with go to other people for advice and just and, and, and it's part of that homeopathic doses works in a work environment as well as a personal environment
2: Absolutely, an incredible concept, great strategies. The book is called Who's in Your Room by Dr. Ivan Meisner. Let's talk about the second book, The Connector Effect, the proven way to grow your business right now. Uh, what inspired you to write this one?
0: Well, this book is uh, very much, um, you know, the other books are not a networking book, although the, the quality of your room uh, it, it represents the quality of your network. So in that sense, uh, it's, it you know, has that element of networking, but we don't talk about networking directly. Uh, In this book, The Connector Effect, we talk about networking directly and it's a very BNI centric book. So if you want, you know, if you're a member of BNI, you definitely would want it. Or if you want to see how this networking thing works in an organization like BNI, take a peek at it. But there's a lot of techniques that we talk about in there that are powerful in in building a powerful personal network. And, you know, the Connector Effect for me started back in the mid 80s uh, 84, early 85, when I started BNI, I realized then that I needed to be a connector, and that if I were connecting people who were looking for services with people who provided services, then by me connecting those two, I'm I'm trying positively triangulating a relationship. In that they um, both know me, and they're both grateful to me for the, for receiving and for uh, receiving the referral and getting the the, the, the vendor. Um, so one of the things I did way back when, and the book talks about the more of the you know digital age version, but what I did in terms of this concept of why it came to me was I actually sent a letter out back in uh, you know the late eighties, early uh, I'm sorry, late eighty four, early eighty five. And I would send a letter and I'd say, uh, you know, you're, you're on my contact list, uh, um, this letter, if you're looking for any of the business professionals that are attached, uh, please uh, pick up the phone and give me a call because I really believe in connecting people who provide services with people who need those services. And then I had a list on the second page. So this was old school, but it worked. And the list did not include names or phone numbers. It was just the profession. Why? Because I wanted my friends to call me, my associates to call me so I could make the introduction. And that was really the beginning for me of understanding the connector effect. Now, now we talk about it in the digital age, but that was really the beginner beginning of the concept for me.
2: Yeah, you made yourself the the spoke, the hub of all the spokes in the network. And- your organization is responsible for millions of referrals, billions of dollars of business being done. It's changed the way, formalized, and improved the way the world does business. What are some of the biggest lessons you've learned along the way?
0: Well, I, you know, I, I learned that uh, people um, say they believe in accountability, but uh, actually uh, ho- uh, you know, holding people accountable is um, sometimes another matter. Uh, one of our core values in BNI is accountability. And, and so, um, you know, p- people like that concept until, until they're held accountable. Yeah, right. So you, you gotta apply the rules. And this is another lesson. It's very important. Listen, you gotta have rules. You, you gotta have processes and rules. You have to have it. Otherwise it's a coffee clash. I mean, hockey without rules would be boxing on ice, right? You gotta have rules. The thing is, and this is a big lesson, is that we try to teach people to apply the rules and the policies and the processes more like Mandela than Attila. You know, Be diplomatic in the way you apply them. And one of the easiest ways to do that is to say to people, how can we help you get to these meetings? How can we help you bring referrals? How can we help you bring visitors? And that's a whole different approach than, hey, you're not bringing any referrals, we're gonna cut you loose it's a caring approach. How can we help you? What can we do to help you? And you'll be amazed how people go, yeah, I'm really struggling with this. You know, can we brainstorm it? And then magic happens when you start having a dialogue with people rather than, you know, hitting people over the head uh, is assault, not leadership. Leadership is about helping people be their best.
2: Your passion is obvious. What do you like best about what you do?
0: Well, I think an entrepreneur is either working in their flame or working in their wax and when they're working in their flame they're on fire they're excited they love what they do, you can hear it in their voice you can see it in the way they behave, when they're working in their wax it just takes all their energy away, and you can see that in the way they behave you can hear that in their voice as well, so I I love what I'm doing I love this. This is my flame. I love having opportunities to pour into people and to talk about what are what are some of the secrets to being successful in networking or in life, uh, and and so you know that's what I get to do. I'm I uh, I tell people I'm a, you know twenty year overnight success. It took me twenty years to to build a business, um, which I ran for another ten on top of that. So about six years ago, I turned over the management to uh, a new CEO and to other individuals, and uh, I get I get to be the Colonel Sanders of BNI now and and do things just like this.
2: All right, well, we greatly appreciate your time. We know it's incredibly valuable. You've written so many best-selling books. What are some of your favorite books that you didn't write?
0: Oh, well, that's a great question. Um, you know, one of my favorite books that impacted me greatly when I was a young man is a book called The E-Myth, The Entrepreneurial Myth uh, by Michael Gerber. And are you familiar with that book?
2: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, well, Michael. Michael's an amazing person. Uh, I didn't know Michael back then. I've gotten to know him over the years. And uh, that made a, a lot of difference for me. Right? He is the one was talking about working on the business, not in the business. And I just really, all I did was apply the concepts that he talked about in the e-myth, the entrepreneurial myth. And and uh, I was able to build a global company with over 10,000. We now have over ten thousand chapters in more than 70 countries around the world. A book called The Membership Economy by Robert Scrobe is a great book, Uh, The Membership Economy. One of my favorites is Crucial Conversations. It's a great book if you are in a tense situation, negotiation, you've got employee problems. I highly recommend Crucial Conversations. And um, Conscious Capitalism, another great book about It's okay to make money, but at the same time, it's okay to support your communities, you know, and I think that's important. I'll give you one more, a book by a friend of mine, he co-wrote, who's in your room, and that's uh, Do You Matter? And it's really about brand building. So these are some of the books that I am recommending.
2: Absolutely great recommendations. What else do you want to share that I haven't asked you yet?
0: Well, I think... You know, a lot of people ask me, okay, you built a company, uh, you've got 10,000 groups. We have over 280,000 members. You know, they say, what's what's one of the most important things to have that kind of success? And I tell people, you, you wanna really be successful in business, you gotta do six things a thousand times, not a thousand things six times. And what I see is too many business people too many professionals who are doing a thousand things six times, and they can't figure out why it's just not coming together. And the reason for it is they're constantly chasing bright, shiny objects. Instead, what you wanna do is you wanna find a hand, and by the way, it doesn't have to be six, it could be five, it could be seven, but you wanna find a handful of things and you wanna do it over and over and over again. Well, what things? Well, you, you come to shows like this, you listen to experts who talk about something that resonates with you and you get their input and their recommendations. You know what your key success factors are your, or your key performance indicators are. And then you do those things and you, you know, I, I, if I have any superpower at all, it is that I am a dog with a bone. I will take something and work it and work it and work it until it's working the way it should. And so I think that's a real important concept. Do six things a thousand times, not a thousand things six times.
2: Love it. Thank you so much, Dr. Ivan Meisner. Latest books, Who's in Your Room, and The Connector Effect. Uh, where would you like our folks to go to get copies of those books?
0: Well, listen, If, if first of all, if, if they have any interest in BNI, go to bni.com. My blog is IvanMeisner.com. And most of my books are at either bookstores, and they're all on Amazon. So you can go to Amazon. If you go to my blog, you'll see a lot of uh, graphics for the books, and you can click. It'll take you right to Amazon.
2: All right, this has been Seth Green with Dr. Ivan Meisner. Ivan, thank you so much.
0: Thank you, appreciate you.
2: Thanks everybody for watching or listening. We'll see or talk to you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This
1: show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC.